welcome once again back to the Crazy Poultry Podcast. Well, we have gone through our shitstorm of the bad and worst films of 2022. Now it's on to the what we consider the pristine and best of 2022. And with me still, because we ended up losing a few people now, is Mr. Nick Nicker's Chicken. Howdy, guys. Uh... Damon had a thing to go to to take care of personal wise and well George didn't really have anything to contribute here so he didn't mind kind of moving along now I do happen to have been given what Damon's top 10 movies are so I will mention those occasionally but actually despite this being the what I would say okay year uh, but the fact that it's being okay definitely shows to me that I didn't see nearly as many bad, but I will preface that I didn't watch a lot of the Netflix ones. Like, yeah. you mentioned one that I was always hearing on people's top ten, which was Me Time. Yeah. Um, I have no idea why I watched that. Yeah, I I had a slight urge to watch that since that was appearing on a lot of worse year list but that's why i did it (laughs) yeah but i mean and kind of going back with the worst yeah we've not seen every movie that has come out that's right but uh i specifically decided because even though i keep seeing it on people's top worst of the year join together because it's two parts and that's the 365 day Mm. sequels i was like you know I'm just going to say right now, they came out, they are the worst. Even though I've not seen them. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say they are the worst. However, there are stuff that I actually have seen. Um, so I'm just going to first kind of go through just kind of quickish here, Damon's top 10 that he had. And with, for him, starting at number 10, he had X. No shocker that it made on to there. At number 9, he had one of the more recent movies that he saw, Violent Night, hmm. which I did also enjoy that one a lot. Um, no, and number eight for him is The Black Phone, which I was like, yeah, solid horror movie. Three kind of did, horror-ish did. movies. I, Violent Night is kind of, it depends on how you look at it. Die Hard, Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, at number seven, he had The Northman. At number six, he had Top Gun Maverick. At number five, he had Jackass Forever. At number four, he had The Batman. At number three, he had Barbarian. At number two, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And his personal number one was The Menu. Well, I mean, I'm I, not surprised. Yeah, I am not shocked in the least bit. No. Um, however... We do have another person that is not here, but is part of the technical, you know, poultry family, and <laughs> she will get out her opinion, even though she has not, in her words, seen a whole lot. But let's just go ahead and go to a, what did Jamie like the most this year? mention my honorable mentions i've uh, watched a few different movies this year um 
actually I watch a different movie every week uh, for a couple of months. But my honorable mentions for this year are uh, School for Good and Evil, uh, Glass Onion, and Where the Crawdads Sing. And then um, my number one pick for the year is going to be Bullet Train. Hi, there's a gun. It's the quiet car. Gotta use a small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. So, yeah, surprisingly from us, I'm going to assume, not actually a terrible pick for me, yeah. Jamie. Uh, I actually did enjoy Bullet Train. It was definitely a mention for me. Uh, I thought Brad Pitt was really good in it. And just the ensemble in general I thought was strong. Um, but now to kind of dive into the ones that we most enjoyed this year. So... Just, Nick, in general, how did you feel about this year? Uh, it was the year of the okay movies, I do agree with you, but I had a lot of movies that were kind of interchanging in the top ten, and by a lot I mean a lot, because I have a lot of honorable mentions. So the the bottom half of the top ten was a lot harder to put together. <laughs> the top half was pretty set in stone, but the bottom half, you know, were kind of interchangeable. I guess it was the ones that I felt the closest to, and it, you know, kind of, the rewatchability for me and mm-hmm. the ones that kind of were closer to the heart. So your little hint about what your number 10 is. <sighs> um, stunts that usually don't go the way they're supposed to. It's gonna be the gnarliest shit ever. 
trust us to go to the bathroom. They're less intelligent than I thought. I feel drawers, but I know enough. Jackass Forever. Yes, the much awaited Jackass Forever. They finally, a whole crew, well, most 99% of their crew came together and agreed that, you know, I guess this is a, this is a kind of a passing the torch to the younger generation of Jackassers. I don't know what you'd call them. But yeah, the, all the guys came together and I was super excited. And I knew, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, I cannot wait for this. Um, been watching Jackass it's about 20 over a little over 20 years now because I believe it started in 2000 on MTV and been you know hooked ever since ever since Steve O swallowed the goldfish and then threw it back up um it just I know yeah some of this movie you know like all the Jackass stuff can rub people the wrong way yeah but I don't know it just for me this is the best movie of all of them it hit every emotion really because it, for me it was emotional because I, I feel like that was the end for all the the original cast but they did incorporate the newer people into it and i believe that eventually they're going to be in a movie themselves which is fine yeah. but i mean they, these guys have been through hell their bodies have yeah been beaten they, and battered they, they need to stop yes and they're i'm they're all in their 50s i'm pretty sure johnny knoxville is gonna die yeah, Knoxville. I'm surprised he didn't die. Yeah, he's had real, real bad injuries, especially with the concussions. His last one was the worst. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just so invested in Jackass, and I am so close with all those guys without even meeting them. You know, I just, in a way, I kind of feel like they're they're my crew that I hang out with, but just not as insane with the stunts. Like, it's the other personalities, I, I, I gravitate towards them, too. It just, I was just really happy this came out, and I, uh, beginning to end, enjoyed myself, and you know I even enjoyed the the deleted stuff that they had on the DVD. It was really good, and yeah, it, it cracked my top ten just because I know I, I'm just really close with Jackass, and like I said, I've been connected with it for over twenty years. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure we did get a review after this and yes. a catch up. Uh, I I said yeah this. It is easily it's easily one of the top movies that I was laughing at very high, a lot. Like this is also in my top theater experiences this year yeah. because it just it came out of the right time where we needed to have a laugh at mm -hmm. basically just idiots. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I maybe would agree that production wise, this probably is the best out of all of them. Um, I said that. In my initial review, however, the problem that I kind of tend to have with Jackass is rewatchability. It's like once I see the stunts, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to come back to this. Mm. I will at least give this one credit that it dove actually a little bit more like into them outside of it. Like, you know, Johnny and them saying like, yeah, this uh, shit is getting too crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so kind of seeing their psyche and finally seeing Johnny like actually come around with I'm gonna stop coloring my hair now <laughs> yeah. he's like I gotta grow up I'm 50 I'm, I'm almost about 50 yeah. now he's 50 <laughs> so it's like 
kind of a weird way of the original Jackass members growing up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the new guy people yet. I, yeah. would, I would say that I'm most impressed with two, the really fat guy and the woman that was taking a bunch mm. of actual things. Yeah, so. she's got balls for even being in that crew. Uh, yeah, this one probably would have fell in, like, probably top 30 if I did that. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it would have been an honorable mention for me. Uh, so starting off my best of the year list, uh, was, is an animated film that I had pretty much at the top of my list, and I could see it being the top of a lot of people's list as even going as far as, like, awards time. talked about that was supposed to go to theaters but instead they decided to switch that with Lightyear uh, I think that, that was a I said this back when I brought this back up in a catch-up that that was a stupid decision because I could have easily seen turning red bringing them a giant profit um, and I know that the only reason why they decided to is because they got cold feet because of the subject matter hmm. and I'm like yeah, you know, this is kind of a subject matter that kind of needs to get brought up a bit more, like, as we grow up and things, and that's one of the reasons why, though, I had it, like, at number one for animated of all time, of this year. Maybe not even necessarily that it was something that I felt like I was going to watch as much, I just felt like it was very important, because I kind of judge my base, my best on, like, Stuff that very much hits me and is appealing to me, but then things that I feel like that are very important that need to get kind of happen more. And this is something I feel like that needs to happen way more. Uh, if this is up for and it wins Best Animated, I will have no issue there. Uh, do I think that there are personally some animated stuff better? In my opinion, yes. But Turning Red, I just thought it was hilarious the animation was great and yeah i had no many faults with it uh yeah did you ever check it out i did it's in my mentions yeah very good very very good film yeah it's uh 
like I said, it, they could have easily gone to my the bottom of my half by ten. So, yeah, I don't blame you there. It's definitely going to be up for best animated. Yeah. Um. So, you have an interesting thing here with your yeah. number nine. Right. I mean, I understand it, but I also personally stared away from doing this. It's the one time I've ever done and probably ever will do yeah. it, but I kind of had to put two movies together. Because um, they technically are. Yeah, and by the same director in the same year. Mm-hmm. So, at, at Tide at number nine. Farmer's Daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X Factor. Struggling may soon be over. Holly, here we go. I'm just one day. This is it. Our own studio back. I'm looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly son of a bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. So, why is X in here? Um, I personally, that's my, still my favorite horror movie of the year. Um, I, I think it, just because mostly it felt so old school to me and it felt more like Texas Chainsaw than Texas Chainsaw did. <laughs> um, I love the retro stuff, like the, you know, the old film look and he stuck with that. And I love the, um, setting, you know, uh, basically an, isolated house and then you have a guest house and mm-hmm. i love the setting um uh, i thought the characters were great I, ty west for me was like more so like an unknown coming into this and i wasn't sure you know i was like oh i'll go see it it's just you know gonna be another movie but i yeah the characters were great um uh i loved a lot of the kills mm-hmm. i thought those were pretty inventive um the twists, for sure, got me. Um, I was just like, what? And then they more so came along going into Pearl, and you found out a lot of the things that happened in X. Well, so, then the match here. And, uh... fan of movies and wants to be a star and it's it ends up being more so in the adult family industry uh, that captures her interest more than anything and uh, she'll do anything literally to become a star and to get people to notice her you know mm-hmm. and uh, the relationship between her and her mom mm-hmm. was crazy very curious uh, yeah um, but Mia Goth has blown me away in both of these movies but more so Pearl obviously um her performance was insanely good and I don't know it just they you could tell they're, they're done by the same person to me because it's just the, the the direction they're going 
And there is a third movie coming out this year, and it's... Well, technically next. Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, that's called, called Maxine, and I just love everything he's doing. Um, the way he drives characters certain ways, the twists and turns, like I said, uh, it's just very inventive and very different, I think. And the fact that he's doing this being a relatively unknown director and you know being pretty consistent is very cool to me and I don't know just X and Pearl but more so X really hit me and I, I feel like it was the best horror movie of the year and a, and a great year for horror you know I have a bunch of horror movies and honorable mentions that definitely could have been in the top 10 but I think X and Pearl deserve to be up there and I know it won't happen but I believe Mia Goth should be up for best actress mm-hmm uh, yeah, I, all I can personally say right now is that X would have been an honorable mention. It started out as one as I thought was, oh, I thought that was okay, I just felt a lot of homage stuff more, but it got better on to me as the year went on. Uh, is it personally my favorite horror movie of the year? No, I, I have a few more that I liked, but more, but yeah, I do think this was the year of horror. Um, so... Because you had a twofer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do anything like that. Uh, but my number nine is a solo one. And it uh, is one that you would automatically get worried about because it's an over 30-year sequel. 30-plus years of service. Combat medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. be at least a two-star admiral by now yet here you are captain what is that it's one of life's mysteries sir top gun maverick uh no real secret as far as if you were to ask me uh i've never been the biggest fan of top gun i just kind of always felt like it was just like a movie that existed uh, never really saw much stakes or really got into the characters really so I honestly did not have as high expectations going into this as like you know some did I was just at first blown away by the trailer because I was this is during this whole renaissance of Tom Cruise's you know insanity action movie that is done by his actual production company who took over for Mission Impossible, I believe, on Rogue Nation and has stayed. So I think that they're actually crafting some of the best, like, actual action stunts and things. And the fact that these were real planes flown by real people just added to the experience. Uh, the only the only complaint I ever usually gave the movie was that when I saw it, we clearly saw it in a too small theater because heads were getting cut off. And I'm like, this clearly should have been on a bigger screen. 
Um, and one thing that definitely helped is when I rewatched it back at home, and it's also one of the best 4K releases, and it looks amazing. Um, I would say also, in essence, it's a very simple story, much like another movie that came out this year that has been a big blockbuster, simple story. Um, but I think that the new characters added a lot to this, and I... I can't help but love Miles Teller's character because his name is Rooster. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for somebody who never really cared for the original, who really enjoyed this, and it's also just one of the better like film-going experiences, I think that should say a lot. Uh, will this win anything? I could see it winning for like sound, but that's about it. So, uh, moving on to your next one, what it, what it, how would you describe before we descend into this? Food porn. <laughs> Is that going to fit everyone? Easily. 12 customers total. What are they trying to profit? Twelve fifty a head, that's how. What, are we eating a Rolex? It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouse feel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthful. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. Hey, gel. We gel. The menu. So this is uh, <clears throat> definitely more probably close to people that are, you know, either associated with the food business or have been chefs at one point, you know, because this is everything that you would dream of if you were, like, taking somebody out and then, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out and try this lavish menu not knowing what the heck's going to happen and you know it's all exclusive and you basically have to do all everything in your power to even get an invitation to this and um Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt were really good in this even though I kind of wanted to wring Nicholas Holt by his <laughs> neck half the time but the standout for me is Ralph Fiennes I mean he I mean embodied his character 110 percent um I don't know. What else, I mean, literally, they could not have picked a better person to play that character. I, and it just, he resonated throughout the film, and it just, it, from the claps to the um, <laughs> descriptions of the dishes and all that stuff, it just, it all came together perfectly. And it had a lot of really weird twists that I didn't expect, and you wouldn't have thought of from the trailer. And I don't know. It just, it just hit the best strings that it could and it you know it very very good film mm -hmm. well i have to be quiet for a little bit mm. um yeah uh now interesting thing for me right now is that i'm gonna be on a little bit of an animation kick <laughs> uh because my number eight of 2022 is a movie that I praised a lot for its humor and the fact that it was clearly not ashamed to be in a cartoon. 
on the outside, the five of you are villains, predators, remorseless sociopaths. Oh, stop it. You're making me buzz. We're the bad guys. And this is the crew. Mr. Snake, Serpentine, Safe Cracking Machine, Magic Houdini, but with no arms. Jackbox, yes. Miss Tarantula, our in-house tech wizard. Where'd you learn to do that? Mostly YouTube. Mr. Piranha, he's brave, <laughs> crazy. What's up, Papa? <laughs> and Mr. Shark, master of disguise. His greatest trick, stealing the Mona Lisa's disguise as the Mona Lisa. <gasps> and rounding out the crew is me, the big bad wolf. just got a little weird the bad guys um from the first trailer i saw of this i was like this does look interesting but i could see this falling into a bunch of like stereotypical things like i know how this is gonna go uh i didn't foresee how fast joke animation style and the fact that this is clearly also a good entry point to get like young kids like implanted to know about like quentin tarantino stuff and uh any of those kind of crime thrillers but i just really dug all the characters and the voice work uh, they're they're pretty like getting sam rockwell to be the wolf yeah that guy that has a shady-ish kind of personality but he's actually a good guy underneath yeah that kind of fits sam rockwell to a teeth now um i but i like i mentioned in my initial review on it i just got the sense that this is not a shame to know that it's a cartoon and an animation because it does so many cartoon things that i've only ever seen like on looney tunes and things like that that i was just like oh that's so nice that they're just they're gonna do this but not acknowledge it and not even try to explain it. Um, also, a lot of, some surprisingly uh, voice characters in there, like, uh, is, well, what's her name from Deadpool 2 uh, in Atlanta. Uh, she, yeah. She, yeah. She, pl she plays uh, the mayor in it, and then when I then found out that the big muscled redhead cop in it was actually also the same person that did the voice for Lois... From Family Guy, I was like, what? Um, yeah, this was my personal top favorite animation movie for the longest time, because I saw it also two times in the theater. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, did get egged out, though, so, but Bad Guys is a very strong recommendation for me. Uh, did you ever see it? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I own it. And I saw it in theaters, and it's in my honorable mentions. Okay. Um, so, so an interesting one here. I want to know how you're going to preview this. Um, an interesting look into filmmaking.
change how everything looks. It's hard to find our house. Ours is the dark house with no lights. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team, takes after me. Fablemans. Yeah, and I literally just watched it a couple days ago. But it, Steven Spielberg's really in-depth look on, you know, the positives and negatives of filmmaking. And it, you know, it, you could see it throughout this. And it's about this little boy that watches the greatest show on earth and becomes obsessed with it and starts doing his own films that, you know, don't look the greatest, but, they, you know, they're not meant to. He's just literally just starting. And so he enlists his parents, who were played by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. Paul Dano had a great year. <laughs> Paul Dano and Michelle Williams, who were both fantastic in this, especially Paul Dano. And um, they, Paul Dano, I believe, is an engineer of some sort, and he got a promotion at GE. And he has, he's obsessed with old televisions. And he works on those, and you know he's pretty much a tech nerd, and he's gonna help his son with his filmmaking. So he ends up getting him a better as he gets older. He ends up getting him a better camera. But in return, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but he they're at a camping trip together, and then uh, here's where Seth Rogen comes into the picture, and uh, so they're doing they're. I don't know if it's intentionally trying to film stuff, but, you know, they're having fun as a family, and he's just filming stuff on the side. But then he kind of notices something when he's reviewing the film because he wants to release a film to help the family with the loss of a loved one, basically. So he's going to help um, easing the burden a little bit. But he notices something in the film that probably is the negative part of this movie, but it's it's very common, a negativity, unfortunately. But... Just the whole thing, um, the the how in depth it goes into the film and Steven Spielberg, you know he he is very hit and miss for sure, but I feel like this is one of his strongest ones and the performances alone put this in my top ten and uh, I feel like number seven would have been the perfect spot but Paul Dano he stole the show he he's a great actor. Uh, so yeah I really only know that this is like Steven Spielberg's own kind of way of doing a biopic on himself because it's a lot apparently based on how he got into it mm-hmm. um, I had a semi interest in it because I was like I mean yeah it is kind of interesting to find out about how one of the best directors you know got up and stuff and did this um I was just, though, slightly unlike the, uh, I don't know, when I saw it was also still two and a half hours. So I was like, Stephen, why do all your movies have to be long? Um, And then also at the same time, you know, the winter storm hit us. And I was like, I don't know if I want to risk a movie that I have some interest in, but not a whole lot. Like I had more of an interest in two other ones before that so I don't know I just 
it was a biopic made by the guy who it was kind of about that I was just like, I don't know if I want to rush out to this. I'm not, say, I'm not saying that I think it's bad, because of course I've not seen it, but I've also heard kind of a mixish vibe from people I follow. Like, they're like, I like it, but unless you're like a person, like somebody that's really into filmmaking, like that's how, like that's going to appeal more to you. And I'm like, I get that, so maybe I'll check this out at some point. I, I do want to see how Paul Dano went from looking like one person to a completely different person at the end of the year. So. Yeah, I, uh, I actually saw this at home. I had I watched it on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I didn't see it in theaters, but still, either way, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, uh, I I could easily see it getting Oscar noms because it's, it's Spielberg. Um, so moving on to my number seven is technically the movie that I won't probably see on there for like best animation but it had it jumped up with literally in a day we are gathered here today to say goodbye to pussy boots <laughs> pussy boots you adopt your last life you need to retire that the first Puss in Boots was an okay spinoff from the Shrek franchise uh, yeah of three of four movies that I think that are good um, so when I found out there was going to be another one I was like not entirely that psyched about it because I was just like uh, what's this really going to offer and things like that um, 
But then I started to hear, like, rave things about it. And I was like, really? Puss in Boots is getting, like, this kind of talk? And I'm like... And then, kind of fortunately for this movie, the movie I was planning on seeing had technical issues, apparently. So I decided to switch to Puss in Boots' Last Wish. And I had such a great time with this I thought that the voice cast was great and spot on I thought the animation was amazing and I just don't know if I like this and the bad guys as far as animated movies like were tied for how many times I laughed so hard but then the thing that kind of pushed this a little bit over the bad guys for me is actually how deep and adult it got like a Puss in Boots movie deals with, like, some really hard shit in there. And not to mention that it easily also has one of my all-time now animated villains in The yeah. Big Bad Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, when he just shows up, his look, his eyes, his whistle that he does, I was just like, this... This guy is so fucking creepy. Is I mean, like certain type of sides. I mean, he had like, yeah, really, yeah, really nasty looking. And like uh, Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek worked really well together. That goes back to their Desperado days and things like that. Uh, but then it only took me, it took me and Damon like three minutes to figure out that it was John Mulaney as like yeah the big. I forget his character's name. Uh, it was just, it's just a typical name, but originally I thought it was John Lovitz. Because yeah. him and John Wayne kind of have the same name. Um, I knew John Wayne. And I also couldn't really recognize, but I also really like Goldie and the Three Bears. I like that whole subplot. Florence too. Pugh. Yeah, and then I was like, what? That's Florence Pugh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Well, I guess she made up for the Don't Worry Darling. Although I have had heard she's really good in a Netflix movie called Wonder. I have to believe that's the name of it. And she's going to be in my most anticipated movie next year. Yeah, Doom. Uh, but I was fully surprised by Puss in Boots' Last Wish. I, I think that it's definitely one of the top anime movies. But I am definitely predicting it's going to be nowhere there. No. But... I also understood visualize why some people were saying that there was like a little bit of like Spider Verse animation. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. So when it would cut to somebody like jumping to, yeah, hit somebody the weapon or something, I got that vibe too. And I will always praise a movie that does a small, but you have to know a Nicolas Cage joke when you hear it. Yes. Oh, yes. I, we we just went yes. That and Terminator. Yeah. The the, the thumb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Number seven for me, Puss in Boots, Last Wish. Uh, your number six. Puss in Boots is in my honorable mentions. Yeah. Very good. My number six, uh, <laughs> I mean, The Dark Knight.
the sky. It's not just a call. It's a warning. The Batman. Yeah, um... Uh, going into this kind of blind because I don't want to look at any of the trailers really. And Matt Reeves is the Batman, and um, was pretty intrigued because uh, you know, for both of us, Robert, we looked at Robert Pattinson at one point and was like, okay, well, yeah, he is what he is. But then Twilight. lately, you know, when he said, yeah, screw you, Twilight, and then he did this, and you know, the Lighthouse, which are both incredible. Um, he's rising up the charts and I think that this is supposed to be a trilogy I believe they're hoping and based on this I'm really hoping it's the case I know a lot of people didn't like the more detective side of Batman and the more mistake prone Batman because he's you know younger but I actually really like that and I like seeing you know Everybody makes mistakes, and so does he. So even if everybody depends on him, you know, he can make mistakes. But it's like, I, this might have been the darkest one, and that's saying a lot. Um, I love the the atmospheres of a lot of the scenes with, you know, the rain and then him coming out. Those are, you know, pitch dark. I thought that was awesome. And then a lot of the fighting choreography was awesome in this. Um, the sound, you know, the, you know, the poom pow, of course it didn't have, the, it didn't have the, the clouds or anything, but you could, you could feel the pain. Um, uh, the supporting cast, my favorite actually the character in the movie, again, I'm going to bring up Paul Dano, who's the Riddler. I thought he had Paul Dano back to back. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he, uh, yeah, he, I don't know. It just, I, I going into this, I knew he was going to be a good Riddler, but I didn't think he was going to blow my mind and I thought you know Colin Farrell was really good um Andy Serkis he was really good he was Alfred mm -hmm. um uh, Zoe Kravitz was Selena Kyle you know she was a really good Selena Kyle um I just thought that you know this was a great start to what could be in the future and not the ending I'm not so sure because I didn't put too much into it but a lot of people were upset they kind of introduced Joker. Mm -hmm. But I do like who's playing him. And um, I don't know what it potentially could be in the future, but like I said, I, I, you know, I, knew, I know the movie was three hours long, and that didn't really bother me. I did, like I said, I thought it was a different Batman movie, and that's kind of what I wanted because we'd seen you know, what we know of Batman to be, and like I said, this is a different look into perspective of Batman, and I like that. And yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully what this has in the future years. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to keep my trap shut. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um, so, go, going from that very cheerful and dark tale um, to my number six, is it. Yeah, probably another dark tale, but with some. You would probably say more cheerful elements, and definitely one that was years in the making. I want to tell you a story 
It's a story you may think you know, but <laughs> you don't. could also be called the year of pinocchio because there were three pinocchio movies released well we covered easily probably the worst one in our worst of the year list uh guillermo del toro's pinocchio though i thought was amazing uh first off to start with stop motion i was like wow okay you're really diving into a thing that i really appreciate and love um, you're also taking a lot of the darker elements and actually putting them forward because I know that this is also one of Guillermo's personal favorite stories that he's ever read and things. Um, I the, the voice cast alone was like amazing for this. Um, I just think that it was hilarious that uh, I believe it was Kate Blanchett yeah. Was the voice of the monkey who barely talked. <laughs> and I when I watched the behind the scenes thing on Netflix about it, she said, I didn't care what I had to say. I just wanted to be in this. Like that's how much Guillermo just can bring from mm. people. Like he is easily one of my top filmmakers now because I love the passion and stuff that he has for this thing. And when I said years this took from concept to making to filming this took 15 years and it had three different stop motion studios working together i believe there was one in la one in new york and one in mexico uh, because neomar always wants to have some uh, mexico with what he does um but this i felt just like hit all of those marks that Pinocchio had to do, but it did it in a very differentish way with the stop motion, which I thought was gorgeous and so well done. Again, this would easily probably be my animated pick of the year, but I know stop motion is not going to get shit recognized for it. And when you see the amount of work that all these people have to go through for this, I don't know why you don't, but... I would put this in contention with the original Disney animated. Like, because they, they both just hit something about Pinocchio for me that I just really, really liked. Uh, and again, the voice cast, Christoph Waltz, being that ringleader. Of the, and I was so happy, and I watched this, that they didn't want him to be, like, the stereotypical, like, really big Italian fat guy. Mm -hmm. They wanted to make him, quote, 
look more like a devilish character. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't tell by the hair where it looked like horns. <laughs> or who, you know, who's making this movie. Yeah. And then some people I could feel like that the whole uh, war being a part of this as like the story being told, I could see them like not really getting into that. If you know Guillermo, he <clears throat> fascism is one of his biggest fears. And I thought he used that to a good purpose here. So, uh, yeah, Guillermo's del, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, probably easily the best Pinocchio I've seen in years. And yeah, my number. Okay, your number five is definitely of an interesting choice in my opinion, but. How would you just preview um, it? <laughs> Long friendships don't always last. Colin, Sonny, Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You didn't like me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you and me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. Do the night. Two hours you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. I am going to be very impressed if you can say this, because I can only say a couple of words off of this. The Banshees of Sharon. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and I only know that because I know a lot about Ireland. And uh, first of all, it's set in a, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my life. And um, it's an island in Ireland. Say that five times fast. An island in Ireland. Island in Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> but um, going into this, I knew really nothing about it, but I've been hearing people talk about it like crazy, and it was in a lot of people's top tens, and I got a lot of the Oscar talk. And I saw that Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were the main two people in it, and I saw Barry Keoghan was one of the side people as well. So I was, I was interested. And it's basically... These guys have been friends forever. And one day, Brendan Gleeson's like, you know what? You're dull. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. So, basically, it's... He basically put an end of the friendship just abrupt. You know, it's like, oh, you were friends with me yesterday. It's like, why don't you be friends with you now? So, basically, refusing to get an answer, Brendan Gleeson or from Brendan Gleeson, Colin Farrell basically makes it his mission to figure out why. So he literally goes to all the hurdles and obstacles to get to Brendan Gleeson, and Brendan Gleeson wants him to leave him alone. And so he basically take, refuses to take no for an answer, and you know it just becomes an interesting look into what you thought was a friendship, and you always want to kind of know why 
all of a sudden Brendan Gleason didn't want to be friends with him. So you're like, okay. So and things happen. I'm not going to go into it particularly, but he starts throwing things at Brendan Gleason starts throwing things at his door. And I was like, okay, it must have been a rock or something. <laughs> it wasn't a rock. And so Brendan Gleason basically makes him known that he's serious about them not wanting to be friends anymore. He's like, how, how can I make it more serious to you? So then he starts self-harming himself mm-hmm. and saying, stay away from me, you know. So then Brendan Gleason basically gets payback and takes something away from Colin Farrell that pissed him off. And then it just goes down a windy road from there. But I just, I, and this movie was actually really funny. A lot of parts of it were. And a lot of the um, Irish lore and the the wording, and some of it was kind of hard to understand because they'd say like fuck instead of fuck yeah. and stuff like that. But from beginning to end, I enjoyed this movie and it had a interesting ending to it. I'll tell you that right now, and it, I just recently saw this one as well, so it jumped into my top five immediately because a lot of the performances in this were great, and I think I was really connected to it because the the whole Ireland scene it was amazing and it was beautifully shot. So, mm-hmm. um, so I was constantly hearing about this, and I saw that it popped up on HBO Max, so that's how I watched it. Um, the big talk I was always hearing about this is that this was the team up again of Colin Firth, Brendan Gleeson, and Mark McDermott, the writer and director. I believe yeah, that's how you say his I name. So. Um, and all three of those guys did In Bruges together, mm. which I also really enjoyed uh, as like a Irish black comedy uh, with Hitman. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is actually pretty funny. And I was like, that probably would also helped with my dark humor I was developing. Um, so I, I will say this, I easily could see, I could easily see this for like, for writing, acting, cinematography, definitely. My only thing is that why it fell into my okay is I was like, I don't know because of the subject matter if I'm going to ever revisit this. Um, It's kind of one of those where it's like a one and done kind of thing. I was like, yeah, I appreciate things about this. I, you know, thought that the acting stuff, yeah, I did laugh a few times in there, but the road and things that it takes, I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to watch this again. Um, because it's also during the the part of the Irish Civil War. Mm-hmm. That's like the back yeah. background. Oh, and you, and you hear it in the background. Yeah. And I guess that's also what the symbolism of their friendship thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, as you kind of pointed out, it just starts out one way and then just things like progressively get worse and worse and shit happens and things just develop. Um, I can't remember the woman's name. I thought she was pretty good as Colin's sister. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they had interesting names. Yeah. Um, what about the creepy lady? Like, did I find her creepy? I did. Eh. Then, um, the, then the, the town cop, who was Barry Keoghan's father. Yeah. Um, and then that was like a really weird subplot there with like, we're going to constantly talk about the fact that you beat your son. Dominic. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, or the, um, as I call him, the schnoz. I always yeah. Um, 
again, I I see this as a lot of like Oscar. This, this, it's going to be up for Oscars. Uh, so it doesn't really need me to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, it was a good one watch. If anything, I could always appreciate the cinematography because like, yeah. yes, I'm, I'm filming in Ireland. I can make this look bad. <laughs> right. And, Especially and, the Ireland is like, well. And even though you kind of had no problem with that, I don't know if I'll ever be able to say that. In a Sharon. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like I'm saying in Sharon. <laughs> I thought it was before I thought it that it was in a Sharon. In a Sharon? So, in a Sharon apparently is a real thing in Ireland. Yeah, so. I was like, how many eyes is that? Yeah. Well, that was, I didn't forget to mention that, you know, that was the book he was going to write or call it. Uh, well, he was writing music. Or was it? It was music, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a song. But I feel like he was kind of writing a book, too, though. I don't remember, though. It was kind of, yeah, he was writing songs, but I felt like that. Said something about a book too. I don't remember. Yeah, because his whole thing was, who who remembers nice people? Yeah. They they remember the composers, that you know made like very good music and things. You know, which did lead to actually a really funny part to me with Colin Farrell, where he was like, "Oh, well, I don't know about him. So what does that say?" <laughs> um, yeah. So overall, it's one that I understand people like, but yeah. it's not one I'm going to go back to. Um. My number five is one that was brought up, but is actually my personal favorite horror movie of the year. And his times is admirable, but you only get one take at this life. If only they would just die. Pardon? Nothing. Because for Mia Goth alone, I think that she would be getting the honorable Tony Collette award mm-hmm. that you're not going to get recognized, but you turned in a hell of a performance. And uh, like how I mentioned with X, like, it got better. It got better to me because of Pearl. I think because Pearl added more to X, like as far as like the backstory of some things. But this is just also, to me, Ty West showing that he has range of filmmaking because, to me, X is that throwback to Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what some people were starting to say about it, where it's like a horror version of Wizard of Oz because of the Technicolor and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but this is also... I don't know about the next one, but... This is also one where Mia Goth was not only a producer of it, but she also was a co-writer with Ty West. So this is really her project here. Her baby. Yeah. And, like, as much as Ty West, like, put so much into this, uh, Mia Goth kind of took over it. But it was helmed by him to put it all together. And 
to me, the thing that made me like this more than all the other horror movies is that this did a thing that I don't see a lot of horror movies do where it made me care about all the victims. I went going, no, he didn't deserve that. No, she didn't deserve that. Um, yeah, and as we kind of did briefly mention, like, the relationship between her and her mom, very Carrie-esque. Uh, the only difference with those two is that this one was right. <laughs> Uh, the only thing that knocks her as a character is that she's obviously a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> yeah. But she knows batshit crazy, and she doesn't want it to get out in the world. Uh, but this was just... Uh, hit all the things that I wanted to personally in a psychological horror movie. I loved all the camera work, uh, and just... That, I believe, it was a five-minute monologue from Mia Goth I was like that could be on the film reel for her Oscar talk or just the end credits yeah. <laughs> when it holds on her face for like two oh, minutes yeah. <laughs> just, I was just like, like what same expression yeah and uh just this was just her just going full force into it and it even had some kind of darkish humor to me especially in the beginning uh but yeah I if Maxine is also good, Ty West has done a trilogy so back-to-back -back mm -hmm. of all different styles. I'm like, you're going to shoot up to one of my favorite horror directors now. It'd be interesting to see what he would do in the future. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, my number five is Pearl. Uh, curious, what is your number four? Well, I'm a real boy. <laughs> and I won't be a burden anymore. Hello? The wooden boy with the borrowed soul. While you may have eternal life, your loved ones, they do not. You never know how long you have with someone until they're gone. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, before I even say anything, this immediately shot up into my top five because I already knew it was better than Disney Plus's Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. So, but, so when this idea came up, you know, you said it'd be doing, yeah, well, the, all the principal stuff and all that was 15 years ago, and the idea was 15 years ago. But when I heard he was, you know, working with uh, stop-motion legend Mark Gustafson, say that five times fast, mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh god, they're gonna make magic, and they then they did. This movie was everything I wanted it to be, and everything that that other piece of crap wasn't. So, um, Guillermo del Toro is easily in my top three filmmakers right now, and he always is so like you said, passionate about his films, and it's pretty clear in this. I mean, it's literally he poured everything into this. I mean, it was only I think it was a little over two hours long, right? Um, no, no, it wasn't it, even it, two it hours. Was, it was just short of two yeah. hours. So 15 years into just short of two hours. That shows you how much, you know, they probably had to cut out of it. Or it just it all came together perfectly, and it looked amazing. I mean, yeah. the voices were incredible. I loved, um, who was that uh, narrator? What was his name? 
Uh, it was at Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. not Jiminy Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> he looked awesome. Uh, they all did, but the the whole war aspect, I know that, like you said, Gimmer Toro, you knew that was going to happen. And I just, the, it's so heartwarming. I, it's such a dark film in a certain sense, but it's still so heartwarming because it's, you know, the Pinocchio story. You know, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't ever really change regardless of what adaptation it is, but... I don't know. I just between the, I love stop animation. I wish it would get more credit than it does. Um, this is my animated movie of the year, and I think it should be. Probably won't even be up for it, which is a travesty. So if, if anything, it'll be up, but it won't win. Uh, if it's at least nominated, I'm okay. But I, I still wish one would win. You know, it, it definitely deserves it because of all the hard work you put into it, and all the things that Leica has done, and it doesn't get. I know. Uh, it's bullshit, but yeah, I I loved Geppetto. Yeah, I think he probably was my favorite character in this movie. Um, it hell, I, I had a tear at the beginning of the damn movie. You know, it's, oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit, man, that that wrecked me. But you know, it ended up being just incredible throughout. And then just I it, I had trouble with ranking this one because uh, three movies beat it out, but it could have easily been been in the top. Oh yeah, it was very hard for me too with that because it hit so many of those things. Um, so we do have a interesting thing here because my number four movie happens to also be your number three, so we can just jumble these yeah, together. That's fine, yeah, so, that's but uh, the most expensive Viking epic. Has no mercy. Edgar's The Northman. Uh, we did get to review this and talk about it a little bit, but so I initially really already enjoyed this. Like uh, this was like at the top, probably five for me as far as anticipate because I just love Robert Edgar's movies before this: The Witch, The Lighthouse, The Northman. Continuing, I guess, is the trilogy. Um, <laughs> I really liked it 
I only had like some slight gripes about it as far as like the story and things uh, involving like main characters and watching it finally again on uh, 4K on my TV and stuff. This just it kind of helped cement that it was in my top five and even more um, because I think that this is both uh, staying so true to how vikingism really was uh but then also because he uh pays so much attention to folklore Mm -hmm. like how he blends in that as far as like the mystical and fantasy realm like it's still grounded in reality because all that stuff that happens you know he's either sleeping or you know things like that uh but Alexander Skarsgård, if we thought he couldn't get bigger from freaking Tarzan, he <laughs> got even bigger for this. Super jacked. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, <laughs> gosh, she just keeps on showing up on best of year list. I thought probably was the only like real fully good person <laughs> in that entire movie. Yeah. But the thing that I noticed more the second time I watched is because... Alexander's character is he's not the best of person no because that's how he has been and and that's how Vikings were he's a true Viking but the thing that I noticed more the second time is how towards the end with Anya Taylor he really starts to crack down and change a little and there's that whole mysticism about you know this is the last tear you're gonna shed until it's really deserved and he doesn't do it until the end um which i like how that is all how usually that is like an all build up to like an epic long fight i'm pretty sure that fight only lasts like three minutes because again that felt realistic (laughs) because he's battered they're on a fucking volcano in hell yeah, basically in hell. <laughs> um, but just the production, the way that it's shot, I think that's one of Robert Eggers' best. Now, do I think that this is my favorite movie from him? Lighthouse is still a little bit more for me. Because, um, again, it kind of comes down to, wow, it's really hard to root for anybody in this. <laughs> um, but... I like how true and ballsy he was, even though he had like a big studio behind him. Mm. I, however, feel bad for him because this initially did not do well in the theater. It like didn't it come out same time as something else? Pretty uh, big. I think, but it it's just like it's a Robert Eggers, and I just don't know what to expect. And this was his highest budget. I think it was ninety million. Yeah, and yeah, it didn't make that. But it is getting a resurfacing due to the home entertainment things. Especially a lot of people are talking about the 4K. But it's really good. So, <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, I overall found that I liked this even more the second time I watched it. So I uh, want to start off by saying I think this is Robert Ayer's own beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, I am huge into this type of lore. Um, into Viking and Norse and all that kind of lore. And I just wanted to see viking brutality i like how this though made you go should i like vikings yeah. well, specifically <laughs> one scene yes you're right but there were legit and accurate 
deaths in this movie. What mm-hmm. they would actually do to people. Yeah. Meaning hang them up by their limbs. Just their limbs. And, I mean, first of all, that was fucking amazing. And I just love the feel of this movie and Robert Eggers' touches here and there. And then the casting. I mean, well, I mean, it, even if they wanted it very long. Willem Dafoe. Yep. You know, you had Ethan Hawke. You know, there was one that weirded me out, and that was Nicole Kidman. I thought she was really good. She was really good, but she weirded me out. Just, just <laughs> oh, based yeah. on the based on the situation, it weirded me out. But I, I fully get it now, and it it just rolls right into the whole movie. Okay, yeah, I, you, I get it. You I, can't go into that with the yeah the mentality well, of now. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that the first time I watched it, and the second time I watched it, I'm like, okay, I get it now. The time period and all that kind of stuff rolls into it. But I I feel like Robert Eggers is becoming one of those directors where you're like, me, me. You know, Robert Eggers, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I'm sorry, you're talking about directors. Uh, Dune. Dune Villeneuve. Dune Villeneuve. I mean, he's becoming humongous too. So all those guys, I feel like Robert Eggers is getting up there. Yeah. And, I mean, who knows what the hell he's going to do next. But I, Alexander Skarsgård, I mean, like you said, he got friggin' Bane massive. Like, he got humongous for this, and, and... I'm pretty sure this is his current biggest ensemble cast. Because... It could be, yeah. Which only had a few. Lighthouse was literally Very just two few, people. yeah. This one had a bit more. And it's just... Um, I don't... And I I don't know his name, but the guy who played uh, his uncle, I thought he, he... I thought he was really good, and he... I was hearing some people say, he looks like old-fashioned Hollywood. <laughs> Like his face and his hair. Well, it's just like that. Just explains it right there. The Robert Eggers can do stuff of very little, yeah. and then yeah. even that gives a big cast. You know, and this this happens. But I mean, I the Skarsgård family to me, especially lately, mm-hmm. has been great, and I've you know becoming the 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 family power. You know, but yeah, this is an awesome movie. I it was even better the second time I watched it, and I I can't wait to watch it again. And also just because of, like, the lore. I think the lore is, like, brutal, and I get it, and I it's bad, but I enjoy it. So, <laughs> Do you want to live through it? No, I would not want to live no. through it. No. But that doesn't mean I don't like other, seeing other people live through it. <laughs> Another way I heard this described was that show The Vikings yeah. on acid. Yeah. It's like, well, that might be accurate. <laughs> um, so North, the Northman fell into your number three. Yeah. So, your four, my three. Yeah. Uh, so I guess then I can go into my yeah. number three and go going from I believe it's the last one through on. This is why it became the year of thus, and this one you had previously mentioned, and this was right oh, up my alley. We ferment. We gel. We gel. We gel. He's not just a chef. He's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know until the end. Who are you? I am Margo. Why do you care? They have to know if you're with us or with them. This menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get these? It's not good. This entire evening. Jesus Christ, this is just theater. 
Confederate stagecraft. We're leaving now. This could painstakingly planned. This is real enemy. What the hell is going on? We now offer you a 45-second head start. <laughs> okay, 45-second starts. Uh, the menu. Uh, I knew from the trailer alone that this was like easily tailor made for like me and Damon going in. Uh, the dark humor, the thriller aspect, the definite horror vibes I was also getting from it. Um, but yeah, this this just turned into a giant also character piece study of Ralph Fiennes, who like you mentioned. And I agree, he ain't going to get shit recognition for this, even though he fucking deserves it. Um, I, this is also one of the rare ones this year that I did not mind seeing twice in the theater, because I was like, I want to give this so much respect. Uh, I, And one thing that I believe that some have touched on, and I definitely agree, is that, yes, while this might be like foodie chef-wise... You could turn this into about almost any other social thing, mm-hmm. um, but it just happens to be for food because it's it's very nice to photo- video photographer and stuff like that because um, this had a like chef's table quality, like film people behind it to put the food. It looked great. Not to mention one of the best looking cheeseburgers I've ever seen. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and the go back and forth between Ralph and Anna, Anna Taylor Joy, Anna Taylor Joy, who shows up twice now back to back. She is picking amazing projects or questionable projects, but her quality work is so good um, that I tend to even remotely forget other shit that she's been. In. Uh, but and uh what's his name uh, John Leguizamo yes he was so funny he's in this. hilarious um, especially the egg yeah <laughs> but uh my, my my one of my favorite things is how they kind of turned his oh, into yeah. like jump scares yeah multiple uh, times yeah um and while I will admit you can understand how he got to this point it's still like a well you're still insane <laughs> Um, and I have heard some people criticize the ending. I honestly don't mind it. What, the uh, s'mores? No, the fact that, you know, Joy gets out. Oh. I kind of felt like they touched on something there. But I was like, I can't let that go. I've just been hearing people don't like the s'mores thing, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, <sighs> as soon as they brought up, like, the jackets. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then when they put the chocolate heads on there, I was just like, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, this this just hit so many personal marks for me that I knew that this was going to be my top five. And, and look at that. It made it all the way to number three. Number three. So, uh, hmm. Well... Your number two had been previously mentioned, but why don't you give a small preview? A much better sequel. Thank you. Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? 
Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. Top Gun Maverick, number two. Yes. Um, so the original movie came out 30 years ago. And I gotta admit, I was not the biggest fan of it. I know it was, you know, huge. Um, not the greatest, but it was definitely um, a cult classic. You know, everybody talked about it, and I was, I was like, eh, whatever. And then this was coming out, I was like, okay, well, I mean... It's going to be a sequel. Like most sequels, it's not as good as the first. And boy, was I wrong. I think this is Tom Cruise's best movie. Um, Ever? His performance, I think, is his best best, his best performance by far. Okay. Um, then the introduction to, like, Rooster, Miles Teller. Yes, Ian, Rooster. Okay. And uh, bringing back certain people. And then Jennifer Connelly coming into the picture. I thought she was great. John Hamm's John Hamm. You know, he'd be great. Um, uh, Glenn Powell, who was the, the dickhead through most of the movie. Hey man. Yeah. Who was also and in another fighter pilot movie this year. Was he really? Yeah, called uh, Devotion. Yes, I heard about that. Um, Ed Harris, you know, very brief. Uh, an amazing appearance. Didn't know what was going to happen by Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, the fact that they got him to come on after all he's been through was incredible and kind of made me a little emotional. But um, kudos to them and him on that. But this movie was shot beautifully considering what they had to do. They had to spend, I believe it was $10,000 a day to stay on a naval base and shoot. Yeah. It was something crazy like that. And... They, you know, which I'm glad they did because, it, you know, you wanted to look as authentic as possible, and it did. And then, like, a lot of the stuff that happened in the sky and then the actual jets that they used, uh, I thought the sky stuff was just as good as the ground stuff was, which was the opposite of what I thought of the original. Yeah. I thought the stuff on the ground was really boring in the original. Like, you enjoy the volleyball? No, yeah, which they brought back, but yeah, it was whatever. whatever. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I, this movie was blew me away from beginning to end. My jaw dropped a couple times actually in this movie, and like I said, it's very rare for me to have a sequel be better than the original. But this this blows it out of the water. Um, I think this should be up for best picture. Not sure if it will be or not, but yeah, it it was almost my number one, but something beat it out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say that I could see this but for like visual sound awards, but nothing big. Um, my number two uh, was one that I was wrestling with the Northmen as far as like this kind of movie, but some, but there's a little thing about this one that pushed it over. Our kingdom. 
found to put this over the Northmen is for one I felt like it was a much more important film to get out there uh, not only is this mostly a black cast primarily black women cast being betrayed in very badass fashion uh, and again some I, I remember hearing that the controversies about this were like were they going to touch on, like, you know, what this African, like, tribes and stuff did about slavery and things like that, that they actually contributed to that? They do, but it's not, like, a big focus on it. So it's like, yeah, we are going to address it, but we're not going to put so much of a light on it, um, because this is way more about the characters and that's why i also appreciate it so much viola davis and all of them they really went to boot camp for all of this stuff you got jacked yeah um and she just commands everything with like such a badass way like i'm more afraid of you than any other man that i see here <laughs> um and while there are certainly some things that they definitely adapted or changed a little for the screen that people could have issue with. I would also, though, ask those people, do you like Gladiator? Do you like Braveheart? Braveheart especially because there's so much of that shit that William Wallace did not do. And... This is also a positive thing for me with the Northmen, as far as with this, is that they really try to Hollywood up the heroes to make you care for them in a very fictitious way. This, I felt like, was way more natural. Like, you got to know these people. Um, and I forget her name, but she uh, played the black uh, 007 in yeah, No Time awesome. to Die. Yeah. She was not only badass here, she was also funny. That's why I think... She'd be good for the part, yeah. but anyways. Um, now, the only things for me is that if this had had a bigger budget, they could have had a bit more like wide-angle shots and things like this, because I don't know if we're ever going to get those epics ever again, like actual like thousands of people charging and things. And I had also wished that this would have been rated R, because much like Black Panther... There's a lot of swords and spears being used in Europe. I'm not seeing a lick of blood. Yeah. So that's another minor criticism I was having with it. But 
I was also just happy to watch Viola Davis give another performance where she had to be a stone cold badass and while she did show emotion in it, she never got to the point of like snot bubble <laughs> that she has been known for when she does emotional scenes. I'm like, thank you for not having that in here. <laughs> um, and a very good touching story with her character as far as how the plot goes. So, uh, yeah, I definitely highly recommend Woman King that people need to see that and check it out because we need more films like this. Um, and Viola Davis, to me, should win Best Actress. Uh, that's such a tough one. I think that's by far her best performance. She's yeah. had good ones, but I think that's her best one. Because to me, I would say it's between her and Mia Goth. <laughs> yeah. For me personally. I think the more... Well... The more established more likely one, to happen would be Viola Davis. I mean, I think she would be up for Best Actress, like, four years out of five so that's that's quite a record <laughs> uh but before we dive into your number one do you have any honorable mentions oh god i don't know there's a lot i don't know if i should even like i'm obviously not going to go over the ones that um okay i'll go over a couple of them um I'll put Glass Onion up there, Marcella Shell with Shoes On, Triple R, Black Phone, Barbarian, Turning Red, you said that, mm-hmm. Woman King, Terrifier 2, <laughs> which first one was, you know, pretty good, but Terrifier 2 was way better. Uh, put some Boots, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, mm-hmm. I highly recommend that one. Another really good one on Hulu was Prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprising one was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Then there was Hellbender and Speak No Evil, which were both on Shudder. Uh, the Bad Guys, um, Violent Night. I thought that was, that was a really fun one. You know, I put that one in there. Nope would be up there for me. A movie called Tar. Which I heard is, of it. Yeah, it's, it was pretty damn good. See, I just had a lot of them that, you know, could have been and just kind of missed the mark so so if anybody that knows you this should not be a mystery then but what what's your preview about what your number one is um interdimensional craziness Are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. Evil. 
the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Only for you, I am really good. I don't believe you. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, uh, this movie came back back in April, and I mean, it looked like you know something we were all gonna you know enjoy and laugh at because it looked way out there, you know, like a interdimensional, you know, multi-dimensional kind of film, sci-fi adventure. You know, it was gonna be fun and tons and tons of different characters you're just like what the hell and stuff that happens you're just like oh well that was kind of weird with the you know the fingers and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but um basically michelle yo or yeah i don't know how you say her last name but she's a great actress she's like you know tired all the time you know that needs, needs a lot of help but she needs help finishing her taxes and, and being audited yeah and she goes to the auditor or the person that's trying to help them and that ends up being Jamie Lee Curtis and she's a really interesting character in this movie um, but my favorite character is actually a man who had retired uh-huh. from acting and for years nobody knew anything about him he kind of kept himself and that was Ki-Hu Kwan yeah. and for people that don't know who that is he played short round and Indiana Jones, and he played Data and Goonies. So he was he's a child prodigy, really. And so he, you know, took his time off, but he came back for this, for whatever reason. I don't, maybe he saw the the amazing movie it was going to be, I don't know. But he was awesome in this movie. He was my favorite character. And it was just the, it's just my type of movie, to be honest. I don't know how else to explain that. Um, I enjoy video games like this, too. You know, that, you know, explore stuff in different dimensions and different ways to use different weapons. It shouldn't be a weapon. And just explores different characters and ways you wouldn't expect. And there's just twists and turns and weird and the funny and then the, the drama, the comedy. Uh, what's the grandpa's name? Oh, gosh. Oh, he's been in tons of stuff. He, he By the time he was in Wayne's World, he had done like almost 200 movies. James Hong. Yeah, James Hong. So he, I, he's, he's always great. You, you could always tell it's him by his demeanor and his voice. Yeah. But he was awesome. Um, yeah, just this is just such a fun movie. I had the best time with this out of any movie of the year. Um, like I said, I think it just boils down to it being my kind of movie. And I, I, I've watched it four times now. So, yeah. It, it was, to me, the most rewatchable movie of the year. And it's probably surprising more than any of them. So... Everything, everywhere, all at once. I hope you're at least up for some Oscars, but oh, I, they will. I hope it you know wins the, something. The amount of people talking about it, I don't know <laughs> how it won't. Um, yeah, I mean, I I've watched it. I think two times now since our review on it. I still kind of stand by my like. I do really like this. I just have certain nitpicks on it where I was like, I just felt like it got a little repetitive-ish sometimes for the length. Um, and I, I do like his performance, but I just still didn't really clearly get 
them describing how the multiverse and things like that worked. It's because of his delivery and his speed that he's saying it. It's that that's purely on me, as far as like my ability of hearing him. Um, but Michelle Yeoh, I think, is amazing in it, um, and I think it has a very strong ending. So that's another why I would put it more on my mention honorable mentions mm-hmm. because I was like. That ending can save anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I had a number of, like I mentioned, I had a number of okay ones, like Death on the Nile I thought was okay. Uh, the Outfit, Lost City, Sonic 2, Doctor Strange, uh, Bullet Train, Biggest Surprise to Me, Smile. Yeah. I actually quite enjoyed that. I did too. Uh I, I didn't mind Black Adam, for what it was. Uh, massive Talent, Nicolas mm. Cage, yeah. Only a few things there. Uh, Prey, I thought that's the best since the original. Mm-hmm. And if that actually gets a physical release, I would buy it. Um, Adam Sandler's The Hustle. Oh, yes. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It actually yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Met- Metal Lords, it's a... Netflix movie about guys starting a metal band in mm. school. Um, Crimes of Future. That's a weird one for me because it's David Cronenberg coming back, and I've watched it. I still don't know how I felt about it, but I appreciate a lot of things. I actually didn't borrow it. Um, Avatar Two, Way of Water, actually a little bit better in my opinion than the first one. Um, and while I didn't fully like this movie, Elvis, Austin Butler does deserve to be nominated for this as Elvis. Uh, and the last, uh, Marry Me, that was another surprise for me. Uh, one I just watched recently is called The Cursed. Not overall great, but I really liked the vibes that it gave off, especially for a werewolf movie. And then my biggest honorable mentions, of course, X, um, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, um, Terrifier 2. Mm. That, that's also one of my top favorite experiences mm. in the theater. Um, again, I had problems with the story, but God, I loved the ride. Um, <clears throat> Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Mm. I just had a terrible experience in the theater watching it, though. Um Barbarian. I just hope that gets a physical release. Awesome. Uh, Black Phone, and one that was in my top ten but got knocked out by Puss in Boots, and that's Glass Onion. So with all that now out there, oh, do oh you, I wonder what number one is. Oh, what you think you can guess?
man. <laughs> um, this was my most anticipated movie when the year started. Even though I was really excited about Rod Gregor's new movie, you know, then I found out that Guillermo del Toro was making a movie and things like that. But when I saw who was behind the camera for this and who was in front of it, I was so ready for this. And when I then saw that it was almost three hours long and way more of a detective look at him, I was so excited because we hadn't really had that detective Batman. And Robert Pattinson, again, just continuing that whole trend of people that are not for who gets casted for Batman ends up being, in my opinion, a great Batman. Because we also, though, get, like how you mentioned, a younger Batman who messes up, um, which is very welcoming to see. Unexpected. Um, see, like how him and Alfred are still kind of dealing with this thing. Um, Paul Dano as the Riddler, he was terrifying mm. at some points. And even slightly dark, funny to me sometimes. You have to be the kind of person to find it funny. Um, Colin Farrell, I thought he was awesome penguin who kind of brought some good humor in there to levy it out. Interesting look to him. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how they continue with him. Um, but just, like, when I initially saw it in the theater, I didn't have the best theater experience, that's all I'll say. Um, and I, a lot of people with that one. Yeah, and... I questioned with the length of how rewatchable it would be for me. I have rewatched this movie five times. Oh my god. Ever since I got the 4K, which looks amazing. Um, there are the, the driving sequences with all the crashes and things that happened. It was amazing. It took me back to Mad Max Fury Road there. Mm. Um, and I mean, just the thought and the time that they took to make this story work and how he had to actually develop going, I can't be like this. I have to be a symbol of hope, not a symbol of vengeance, because I see what that does. Um, I do understand some people's complaints about the ending, about how it could go, but I, I thought it was a way where you could set up a potential sequel but if there isn't it's fine I hope that there is because I like some of the concepts that people are talking about with this like the biggest one being Court of Owls because a lot of people say that makes sense with the timeline wise uh, but I also really want to see a serious Mr. Freeze <laughs> I want to see a lot of the main Batman villains get their due yeah, but I also want to see some ones that don't get it. That's what I'm saying. Like, the main ones that even don't get it. Yeah. Like, Scarecrow. Scarecrow's one of my favorite villains. And he's gotten... I mean, he's been in it, but not enough. And, like, you know, more from the animated series. I wish they would bring specifically one. But Clayface. Yes. <laughs> That'll be the Batman, though, with a lot of CGI. I know. Yeah. Because I don't know if Matt Reeves can pull the... We're going to do all practical there. No. Um, but 
coming off of one of being part of one of the best trilogies, being the prequel eight movies, uh, I was very surprised and wanting to see how Matt Reeves would go about it. Batman and I absolutely love his direction on how he took this. This appealed to me as a filmmaking fan, as a Batman fan, as an acting fan. I was just like, this hits all the marks that I personally want. So for me, and I know that there are some chances that it's going to be up for awards maybe, but it also was an early movie. So I don't know. But Batman is my number one. And I didn't have it as high just because I, I feel the same way about that as, I, as you do about Dune. Mm-hmm. I want to see more and at least like a trilogy for me to be like, okay, Robert Pattinson, where I do think he's got real high, high potential. I do want to see more. And uh, that's basically where I'm at. I, you know, I thought this it seriously has a lot of potential. Yeah, and we could easily say that Dune Part 2 is our most anticipated oh, for God, next year. don't even. Uh, I'm, and it comes out in freaking November. Yeah. <sighs> at least it's not January, February. I'd be, I'd be very <laughs> scared. Me too. Happened. I'd be like, wait, what? Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, other than those, I really have only seen, like, things that would count as, like, television specials from Disney Plus that I thought were really good, like Werewolf by Night. Yeah, I still haven't seen that. Yeah, I think that's really good. And the the Guardians Christmas special. I was going to bring that up. That was really good. Yeah. But. And actually, their new movie comes out next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, that's been our best of the year. Uh, I honestly, even though there was a few that were the same, there were some surprising ones that neither of us had. So and that's always nice. And one completely forgotten. I'm yeah, say that right now. <laughs> completely. I mean, to be fair, you get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other than the fact of a week straight. I know. Yeah, uh, this has been this has been a very strong year to me in film. So, specifically certain categories. I'm, number one being horror. I think yeah. this is one of the best years for horror ever. Maybe yeah, it might be the best year for horror. Could be. Um, and you know, just surprise hits, surprisingly Oscar bait stuff. Not really up there. But until then, see you guys next time. <laughs>